enough of the name. Hey, this is Eric Erdman, and you are streaming Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast with Jillian and Aaron Schreiber. When I know what I have is plenty. Welcome to the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver, brought to you by Arlo Revolution. Each week, Aaron connects melodies and memories with fans and artists from all genres of life. When all else in life is gone, only music will be left to leave the legacy of life's adventures. Please welcome your host for the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast, Aaron Shriver. Hello and welcome everyone to Season 6 of the Gaining Fast on Memphis podcast, a place where we connect memories to melodies. I'm your host, Aaron Shriver. Our mission tonight is to provide a platform for motivated singer-songwriters, passionate fans, or someone who is making a difference in and around the music community. We hope everyone listening leaves inspired with positive outlook on a positive outlook and begins connecting their own memories to melodies. Sorry, I edited my own my own words this week. Today we are presented by our good friends at Arlo Revolution, cinematic wedding films, music videos, and promos. Find them at arlorevolution.com. One Tree Planted. For every $1,000 of the show, we plant a tree with One Tree Planted. Download the show on your favorite podcast app today. And Poddex. Poddex are the hottest tool to get your next great interview. Unique interview questions in the palm of your hand. Our on-screen sponsors are on a higher wire by Joel. Uh, original and custom artwork inspired by your life moments and treasured photos and memories. And Shed Services. At Shed Services, we offer a full range of maintenance services depending on your needs. Find them at shedservices.com. Like I said, tonight I am very, very excited for this one. Um, probably, I've been a fan of this guy, I think we talked earlier, 17 years running or so since uh, we moved to Mississippi in 2005. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to Corey. So we welcome in Corey Smith for episode 132. Corey needs no introduction. He has written every single word on every single album he's put out since the early 2000s. The fan made, the fan made man has sold over 1 million concert tickets, and tonight we are honored to discuss memories and melodies that make up his journey. I say tonight, but today. We're going to go ahead and bring Corey on. Start this way back to your first music memory, man. Kind of growing up around Georgia, and what were you listening to? What what was being prominent played in your household? Well, my dad was in a a southern rock band with one of my uncle-slash-cousins, well, no, that sounds bad. That <laughs> it was his first cousin. So he's my cousin, but he was more like an uncle. But they were in a band together. Um, so they would have band practice at the house when I was real little. Uh, and I, I remember everybody coming and setting up their instruments and just how cool it, it was to me. And I remember going and seeing them play a show in a high school gym somewhere. And I was tiny, and I, but I wore a cowboy hat. And I have this distinct memory of being out on the floor dancing uh, and spinning around. I just thought it was cool. So I was, I was exposed mm. to that stuff at a very early age. And I also was in, in church. Um, and I loved to sing in church. I was in the choir there. Uh, so I had this sort of mix of, of, uh, secular Southern rock music and, and gospel music. So you're, you're, you're born into this whole thing. I love that man with the rich history. Well, I also like to, cause we we're, we're a live music, uh, podcast as well. We, so we shirt support live music i like to talk to you about your first concert experience man did you have any memories from your first concert you went to or anything that stood out to you at all well i guess technically that was my first concert (laughs) but (laughs) well the first one yeah (laughs) later on as a teenager the first show that i was like that was a show that i wanted to go to uh you know as a fan was uh you remember the band live yeah dude lightning crashes (laughs) uh i went and saw live in Athens um, at Legion Field with some of my buddies. And that 
it just blew my mind how awesome it was. Just all the people there, the vibe. I I love the idea that everybody was there because they were fans of the music. There was this sense of camaraderie. And it's the first time I looked around and, uh, you know, I realized a lot of these people, they did this all the time. You know, I could hear people talking about the different shows they had been to. And I thought, okay, all right. I think these are my people here. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love that you said that. I read a meme the other day and it literally said you can turn in any direction and talk to a complete stranger and be their best friend five minutes later. We all know those lyrics. We all paid to see them. We all bought their CDs, their shirts, their merch, everything. And that's cool because you're all there together because you have the same like. Uh, and I love that. And I see that a lot with your fans. And that's the fan base you built, man, going into kind of when you went into your music. Uh, I mentioned it on the intro. You've written every single song or every single lyric of every single song for you, man, being a songwriter, have you had cuts with other artists as well? Um, you know, no, not, not really. Okay. Uh, I did stuff with my friend Colt Ford a while back, yeah. I think right on his record, but really I, I've been probably stubborn to a fault when it came to the insistence on writing everything myself. And honestly, that's something that that has changed since the pandemic. I, I think yeah. during the pandemic, I was by myself here at the at the studio or in my in my studio here at the house, um, and it was the first time in my my life where I wished I had somebody with me to bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I got I got to this place where I had the worst writer's block I've ever had. And in the past, whenever I had writer's block, it was just sort of. It was, I took it as a signal that I needed to learn something new. I needed to learn something else. So I would usually woodshed something. I might study jazz guitar or study bluegrass or go back and, you know, listen to Dylan's catalog. I'd do something, you know, to kind of shake my head up a little bit. And that usually cured the block for me. Nice. Uh, this time, none of my old tricks worked. And I realized that the, the, one of the most common techniques in songwriting is co-writing. Uh, collaborating with people. And it's something I'd never wholeheartedly tried to do. I'd never really wanted to. So for the first time in my career, I wanted to do that. So when things opened back up uh, and I made my first trip back up to Nashville uh, and ran into my, you know, some of my friends, I was ever since then, I've been all in on co-writing and I've really loved it. And my my next album will be, we'll have a lot of songs that I wrote with other people. I love that, man. I love that to see that after so long, you're starting to branch out in different ways, man, because you always want to reinvent things or look for a fresh change. And I like that to see, I kind of want to see where your music is going to go. If you have a co-writer on a couple of them too, because it's already so powerful and so emotional and so moving your, a lot of your songs. That's why I kind of, kind of became a fan too. Well, I appreciate that. What I found is that as I've gotten older, um, you know, I've got two teenage boys, been married for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years in a couple of weeks here. Congrats, um, man. You know, I, I just don't have as, I don't have as many ideas as I used to have. Mm-hmm. And when I get an idea, you know, prior to the co-writing, there was a lot of pressure on it. You know, I felt like, okay, I've got an idea. I can't lose this one. It was like, you know, having a 10 pound bass on the line. You know, you're, you're nervous. You're afraid. Oh no, this thing can't come off. It's going to, it's going to be the end of the world. And that pressure was not good for, for me. Um, so what I realized through co-writing is now I can get an idea and then I can save it and I can say, okay, this will be something that maybe I'll bring up in, in a writing session next time and see if I can get finished. Or if I get, yeah. let's say I get, uh, you know, a verse and a chorus uh, and I've got kind of the the structure of the songs there. I just I'm just stuck. Uh, it's nice to sit down with some friends and be like, "Hey, I've got this idea. 
and finish it. And those are, I look back over my career at all the songs that I started that I didn't finish. Uh, And it's sort of a shame now because I realized, you know, a lot of times that that's the great benefit of co-writing is to have somebody else with a different perspective to come in. And it may be the simplest thing that they say that will send it off in a different direction and go, Oh yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, dude. I love, I I love that too. Like, like I said, I love that, man. I love that story. So you started writing in college. Um, when you started writing out, I mean, did you do poetry or anything prior to that? Um, yeah, I've, uh, ironically, I was telling my son about this last night. I, I always hated language arts. (laughs) um, you know, I went to college to be a social studies teacher. Yep. Um, and yeah, I just never, I never enjoyed writing that much. Um, but as I got older, I really, um, uh, became, I began to really appreciate poetry, especially in how it related to songwriting. Yep. The idea in poetry, you don't have the music to lean on, right? You just have the weight of the words and every word is meticulously chosen to, to move that piece forward. Every, you, you take away one word and if it's a great poem, it, it alters everything. Uh, so I've tried to approach lyric writing that, that same way where every word needs to move the song forward. Every word needs to have weight to it. Um, cause you only have a little bit of time to share this message with people. Mm-hmm. Right. So every word needs to matter. I love that, man. Uh, you recently wrote or worked with Eric Dillon. He's a past guest on this pro- uh, podcast too. Good friend of ours. I uh, love having him on. And one thing that impressed me is you've done, I mean, I, that was just kind of a side story there with Derek Dillon, but you've done nine out of 10 studio albums that you produce on your own. What made you, after being so independent and doing those all on your own, what made you go over to Sugar Hill and with Average Joe's and everything to try something a little different? Well, you know, even that stuff was a long time ago. Uh, and yeah. I don't know how long ago the While the Getting's Good, I did that was with Sugar Hill. Um you know, I just just realizing that I can't do everything that, you know, I needed help. Uh, and I learned a lot from each one of those experiences. And I've, I've worked with other producers. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually working on the current project with Eric. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're right in the middle of it. I'm th- in fact, I'm going to be tracking some vocals for that project today. Nice. Um, what I've oddly enough, one thing I never did was um, go to Nashville and actually have a, a session. Right. <laughs> you go- Nashville, the, the players are, are that's what they do every day. They go into the room and they're top notch players. They have all this equipment. The, 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 the palette of sound that they have at their fingertips is amazing. Um, and I never, I never did a record that way. I, I recorded with my band usually. Um, and, you know, I would work with very various producers, but I, I was still kind of set in my ways uh, same, you know, similarly with the songwriting, you know, I was real stubborn. I was like, well, this is the way I did my records early on. So why do I want to change that formula? Yep. Uh, and getting to a point where it's all that pressure that I've got to do it all. I've got to make all these choices. Um, it started sapping some of the fun out of it, I guess. Um, and when I'm, I met Eric over the, uh, during the fall, I, I did a tour with Riley green. Yeah. Uh, Eric's worked with Riley a lot. So he and I just kind of, hit it off on that tour and I was telling him that I wanted to go to Nashville and, and uh, try tracking some songs up there in a, in a much more efficient way than I've done in the past. And he was like, dude, let me help you. Uh, you know, yeah. and 
so it, it's been a great partnership. And Eric's a wonderful dude. It's I'm so glad I met him. He's been a, a lifesaver for it's me. Be a deadly combo, man. You two together. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, yeah, I can't wait to hear that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I see that, man. I love that. Uh, when you're making an album, are you more focused on making it a, a project that flows from like track one to track twelve, or are you looking just more to compile a bunch of songs that feel right at the time? Yeah, it's. It's a weird combination of those, uh, and you know nowadays I don't I don't know how valuable it is to have a full album yeah. uh, like I grew up on. I, yeah. I that's what I always uh, aimed for was to have a complete project, you yeah. know. Um, and like the old Pink Floyd albums and stuff like that. Those are awesome, man. <laughs> that's less important today because it's such a yeah. single driven. Uh, you know, industry now with all the streaming platforms. Uh, that said, with this album, that's what I'm certainly trying to do is uh, I've, I've had, because I've been doing so much writing in the past uh, year and a half, two years, uh, where I've got songs that I wrote by myself and then I've got songs that I wrote with other people. It's given me the opportunity where now I have like 25 to 30 songs to choose from to round out an album. Yeah, I haven't had that many songs to choose from since my very first album. Um, cause I, I, you know, since then I was always yeah. touring it's like, okay, it's time to write the album. So it's really great now to, to have that much material to round out everything and try to explore, okay, this, this stylistically is a little different from this one. So, uh, they, they, you know, are, are nice, like two sides of the coin, yeah. you know, uh, I've already got so many songs about, you know, love and marriage, maybe <laughs> let's not about that, you know? So. I'm aiming towards a complete album uh, that documents kind of where I am creatively right now. I, I love that, man. Cause you, you, I feel like you've always written what was important to you, which I love because you always done it your way, but you've got what's resonated with the fans, with us. And you've always, uh, I feel like there's been times where you've sang my life story. You're like, I'll, I'll put on one of your new albums. I'm like, dude, is this guy like listening to my life right now? Like, how did he know this stuff? And it was cool. Cause we're about three years apart in age. So I think we kind of grew up a lot with the same mentality in a way. Um, especially when we, we talk about those old, old school albums and the '90s music too, Live and Matchbox Twenty. We'll get into those guys in a little bit, though. <laughs> I was always driven by this idea that if if I'm if I write what is important to me, what I'm I'm going through, what what means something to me, and put it out, then surely there's people who feel the same way or have gone through similar things. Um, and I had a lot of success, more success than I ever imagined. Like in the grand scheme of things, no, I haven't won a Grammy or anything like that. I don't have any platinum records on the walls. But, you know, as far as what I expected out of music, I've far surpa- surpassed yeah. anything like that. Uh, so I was always afraid to deviate from that. It's why I was so stubborn about writing by myself. Um, and, you know, it, it's um, – but I think ultimately even writing with other people, I haven't strayed from that. It's like, well – I need to sing lines that I'm that when I sing them, it's, it comes from the heart. I'm yeah. not making it up. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we, the, as a fan, we kind of resonate so much with it because we feel it. We, we feel that from you. We feel that energy. I always talk about Chris Christopherson, a lot of this podcast uh, and say like his songs, man, just would resonate. He wasn't the best singer sometimes, but they would resonate with the fans. And I think that's why they loved him as a songwriter so much. And, I get a lot with like your lyrics, man, just really touch at home. I, I love that. So thank you. An audience is a weird thing. <laughs> but I, I never, 
when I first, you know, my whole first record, even my first three records, I, I didn't really have an audience. I was just, and there was something liberating about that. You know, I could do what the best I could do with the resources I had, do something that I felt felt good about and, and put it out there. Now, when an audience emerges, now it's like, whoa, <laughs> who are these people? Like, where? And, you, you know, for the first half of my career, especially, you know, I was definitely like, I can't. I can't subscribe to the way things are done mm-hmm. because that's not the way I've done it. And mm-hmm. now I have this audience here that has this certain, you know, they have these preconceived notions about me and what I should sound like. And that put a great deal of pressure on me. So it's sort of like, <laughs> it's sort of like, uh, you know, I was afraid to, to, to make steps that would, you know, give an audience the impression that I sold out or whatever. But rea- in reality, I was also sort of selling out to my audience like and it, it, it's a weird little place to, to live in and it's something <laughs> to navigate that i never expected to have to navigate i i, I hear that man that's crazy you you play a lot of shows you're roughly around what 120 a year or so prior to the pandemic yeah man that's crazy man I'd just be on the road that that many times uh some of the places i've been lucky to see you uh, of course chicago joe's bar that's where we're, we're living outside chicago now but my wife and I, we used to live outside Corinth, Mississippi, and we got to see it at the New Daisy Theater in Memphis, Tennessee, man. And that was one of my favorites. Rick's Cafe in Starkville, you blew the roof off. I'm surprised they didn't have to change the roof after that place. But, man, dude, tell me some of your favorite places that you played over the years, uh, over the last 17, 18 years, like kind of where you see that date on the schedule and you're like, yeah, that's going to be a good show. Well, you, I mean, you, you already hit on a couple of them. Um, you know, it's it's nice to play at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at the Georgia Theater because that's kind of where I started. Uh, that said, it, it's really cool to go up to Boston. You know, so so far from home, uh, and uh, have have people come out and sing along, and to to know that it's spread that far. You know, or go going out to to Denver somewhere like that, or going out down to Fort Worth to Billy Bob's, and and to experience you know, how far it, it spread um, is always pretty cool. I love that, man. Yeah, everywhere I've seen, it was cool to see, like, a lot of times, like, they talk about the Texas artists. They play in Texas. They're huge. They have a following. Then they go outside Texas. They don't have much. When I was in the South, dude, it was huge. I was like, man, is this going to be another thing? Or I'm going to go to Chicago to go to Joe's and see Corey play, and it's just going to be maybe a handful of people. Dude, I walk into Joe's. That place, you can't fit another person in there. I was like, this is it. This is what's going on, man. They know how they know real music up here, so... Yeah, those are a lot of fun. And, and frankly, you know, the closer I am to home, uh, y- you know, the more, you know, I may have friends or family yeah. come out. So there's a different sort of pressure there Yeah, uh, where I tend to play better when I'm further away from home. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not as ner- not nervous, but not not so much pressure of people looking on and wanting to impress or whatever. You're just like, want to go have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to Joe's actually less Friday. than a week. Friday, dude. It's the end, end yeah. of this week. We can't wait. We're, I'll be there, man. We'll be there front row, hanging out and ready to go, dude. It's going to be a good show. We're excited for it. Um, is there any shows that you've played over the last few years that just stand out as memorable to you? I mean, I, I know a couple, probably a couple of Georgia ones, uh, but anything maybe outside of Georgia that you've played that just like, man, that was a show that I won't forget? Oh, my gosh. I, I guess there's so many that it's hard to that. single out. You know? I love that. When the... Uh, doing the dates with Riley green uh that that was awesome 
um, I've known Riley for a long time. Uh, and, you know, to watch his, the trajectory of his career, uh, and to see him go, I mean, he, he opened some shows for me years ago. Yeah. Uh, see him go from that to playing, you know, in arenas was really awesome. And I was, uh, when he invited me to do the tour, I'm like, man, I, I really appreciated it. But I was also like, man, I don't know if these people are going to know my, <laughs> my old ass. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he was just like, dude, trust me, this is going to be gangbusters. And uh, to get out there in front of uh, a much younger audience, I think, mm-hmm. than, I'm, than I'm normally in front of, uh, and to start playing 21 and have people hold up the lights on their cell phone and sing along, that was, uh, especially after all the downtime, after 20 after the pandemic and everything and wondering if I was going to still be able to do this mm-hmm. to get in front of that many people and get that kind of response. Uh, I mean, it just like almost brought me to tears every night when I did it. I love um, it. And, and since then we've, we've done some shows um, uh, with Parker McCollum mm-hmm. uh, and had a very similar response. Um, it's been really cool to see how this sort of uh, next generation of country artists uh, have sort of embrace me i i guess and and you know there's some good use, ones coming up too yeah yeah it, it's cool they, you know for them to use their platform uh yeah. to let me get out there and do my thing and introduce myself to to new fans is, is pretty awesome and it's a testament uh to you know how great those guys are well, i want to tell you we've interviewed a lot of these younger guys in nashville that are writing everything else and a lot of them when we talk influences have mentioned your name so you've came yeah. across them a lot. And it's cool to see somebody that was so impended and did things his way to be such an influence that everybody else is coming in. Because, I mean, I don't know what the hell you guys are putting in the water in Georgia, man. You guys are putting out some good people. <laughs> Drew Parker. I don't know if you've heard of Drew Parker, man. He's another one from Georgia blowing things out of the water right now. You know, I, I it, it's cool. Um, but one thing, Georgia is the largest state east of the Mississippi. Yeah. So Georgia's state. Uh, the Atlanta metro area is huge. Um, and yeah, people, people love music here. Um, and, and I think when you have, when you see people that live in your area succeed, it gives you that, that, Oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. That's, um, it's, it's like a, a confidence booster almost. I love that, man. Well, before we move on to our next part, part of the segment or the podcast, I want to see what the hell, what, what you got going on in the rest of 2022, man. I know you're working on the album. You're doing a little tour and uh, anything else you got kind of going on for the rest of the year. Well, that that's the main thing I'm focused on is I'm, I'm hoping to get this album out in the fall. I mean, it's been a long time since I put out a, yeah. a studio album, a full mm-hmm. album. I mean, six years, seven years at least. Um, so that that's my focus right now. Uh, you know, and touring's beginning to pick back up again. Where where uh, the schedule's getting more regular, uh, and and frankly, I, I think this album is going to be the best thing I've done since probably Undertones. I, I, there's just something about it um, that, to me, it's it just got me really excited right now. Um, it, it's got me excited, and it's also got me kicking myself. <laughs> like, why, why didn't I figure this shit out earlier? <laughs> so long. Um, but to me, when I, as I've been listening back to all the tracks and singing to them, um, I think it's it, it, it's the best representation of the types of music that I like to listen to. Uh, stylistically, it's it's uh, it's varied. But as I listen through them, I'm like, this sounds like all the things that I like to listen to when I'm sitting by the pool or in the car. You know, 
I love that, dude, because that makes me very happy that knowing how excited you are for this new project. Like, as a fan, I'm like, hell yeah, if he's this excited, dude, it's going to be good. <laughs> so. Yeah. I hope so. And the cool thing about having a team of people to, to lean on and, and, you know, Eric's doing a great job. Uh, the engineer, Chad's doing a great job. It's like uh, I'm able to keep enough of a distance from it at this point where I'm not going to go in and and overthink everything. Because <laughs> honestly, I've probably I've probably made four albums that I've never put out because I get to the later stages and I, and I hate it. Um, I feel like, Oh, this isn't it. In fact, one of my, I made a record in Memphis, uh, years ago before I did wild Against good. Ooh. It was, I had the title for it. It's called the junkyard revival. I went to ardent studios in Memphis and spent three days there with my band. And we made some really cool music. Um, and I was producing it and I was going back, back and forth to Memphis uh, to work on overdubs and getting the mixes down. And then, and then eventually I, I lost my confidence, got in my head and that stuff, you know, still sitting in a hard drive somewhere. Us overthinkers, man. That's, that's our downfall. <laughs> we overthink things, man. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. So it's yeah. nice having, uh, that's why Eric's been so great because he's a, a writer and an artist as well. So he really understands that and has helped me from, uh, he's kept me from getting into that dark place. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. We're going to move on to our sponsored by po- pod deck section of the night. Uh, we drew two cards earlier. The first one was, uh, what do you think is more important in a song, the melody or the lyrics? And when I saw this, this card come up, I, I really wanted to ask you this question because your melody and lyrics are just, are everything in the song. So like you have amazing sing-alongs and straight into the, the, the melodies of the songs. Um, tell me to you though, what's more important for you when you're going in or putting together a song? It's the lyrics, I think. Um, there, it's hard to parse them out. I, I don't know that they're um, they're definitely equally important to a degree. But in the end, if the lyrics are compelling mm-hmm. and tell a story, you should be able to read those lyrics and have the you know have part of the experience. Yeah. That said, the goal is to always make those things. Uh, uh, support one another in a way you know uh and and it and it speaks to the for for me the process usually starts with melody right i'll be i'll be messing around on the guitar i'll find something that makes me feel something that gets me moving in a certain way and i'll hear a melody that that evokes a certain thing and that usually then can connect to to some words or phrases that then get me off and running on trying to go okay well what's the story here what is this about I love that, man. So this next question I, I got, or this next card I pulled, this is going to be a fun one for me. Do you have a song that is a fan favorite that you don't enjoy performing at all? That you just like, you know what, if I don't sing this song? Like years ago, I know every dog uh, was a big fan favorite, but you didn't like playing it because it was you thought it was a jinx, right? Well, yeah, I didn't like playing every dog outside of Georgia because yeah. it's one that, you know, it may piss off uh, a part of the <laughs> And that's that's not the goal. <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I I usually stuck to I'm only going to play that in Georgia. Uh, you know the you know F the Popo yeah. has has uh, that's created some issues for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some nights where I don't necessarily feel like playing that, but the crowd's chanting it, and yeah. you know it's uh, it just comes with the territory. Yeah. You know I, that that song has been a challenge and, and i don't i can't apologize for the song i can't 
uh, I don't regret it. No, but uh, people need to listen to it and know that it's not for everybody. I mean, that's a song that it's it's mainly on something that happened to you that's directed to two different people or one different person in, in that song, and not everybody's like that, and they need to listen to that. I think and they need to know that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it speaks to what I what I thought, what I've always thought of, of the role mm-hmm. of the artist being, and that's I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to report accurately on my internal world. And, and that song's not made up. It's a true story. Uh, it's how I felt uh, in the wake of that. Um, and I put it out and it resonated with people. Uh, it resonated for a reason. Nope. Uh, you know, the downside of it is some people just hear the title and they hear the chorus and they assume that I'm an asshole that mm-hmm. doesn't law enforcement <laughs> that's why they actually gotta listen if people would actually take the time to listen to things they would know that it's a completely different title or di- pre- completely different song from the title so yeah i love that man i i figured that was where you're gonna go with that question when i, when I saw it because i was like i, I was kind of curious about that i have a buddy uh his name's trey lewis he has a song called dick down in dallas i don't know you probably have heard it <laughs> yeah um and i feel bad he's gonna be 60 years old in casino singing dick down in dallas <laughs> Well, when I when I hung out with Trey for the first time, I was like, "Congratulations, you have a fucked a popo now." Uh, <laughs> good luck with that, figuring out what to do with a song. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. So our next segment, real quick, we're gonna do five seconds of a song. The minute you hear this song, we're just gonna talk about the first memory you might have associated with that song. We call it connecting melodies and memories, uh, kind of like something we do on the the podcast. Let me go ahead and clear these out of here. Put this up. All right, go ahead and play. Let's do that green one. Let's cut, cut that one off. Told you we're going to have some Matchbox later on. So Matchbox 20, 3 a.m., man. When this song starts playing, where, where does it take you? It takes me to the the main road through Jefferson. Uh, Highway 11 runs through Jefferson. And there's going from Jefferson to Commerce. There's a fork in the road at a gas station. If you turn to the left, you go to Maysville. If you go keep to the right, you go to Commerce. And I remember the first time I heard that song because I was right there and it came on the radio and I was like, what is this? No, I take that back because Push came out before that. So I remember Push. But for some reason, I think when I heard 3 a.m., it was right right there. I love um, but I, I was all in on some Matchbox 20. Are you still covering them live? I haven't in a while. Okay. Uh, is it? <laughs> but it, that age in my life, that 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 shit just the 90s man man. crank it i I would crank it i knew every word on the whole whole record uh just it spoke to me my favorite was hang i I was a big fan of the the song hang on that album i was man i love that all right let's go ahead and play the yellow one so another one from the same area hootie and you got the meat areas later on down the road so which is awesome same time period uh, a little bit earlier uh than than matchbox but uh, when, and again, that's one of the, uh, hold my hand, I think was the first big single off yeah. that one. Um, and, but that whole record to me, it was, uh, it, it sounded like me, like it sounded mm-hmm. and, and, you know, people may not get Hootie in, in retrospect, right? I don't think my kids, even though they like Hootie, they don't get it the way that I got it at the time, because when, you know, coming through, you know, the, the big hair rock era of the 90s, the MTV, you know, kind of golden age, and then through the alternative stuff. And I was into all of that stuff. But it was a lot of electric guitar and bigger productions. And when I heard Hootie for the first time and, and just those simple guitar parts, acoustic-based, and the tone of his voice, it just, it 
it was a breath of fresh air and it was something that was accessible for somebody like me. I was just learning how to play guitar. And so I'd be like, Oh man, I can do that. Like, <laughs> um, and there was something that was just undeniably like Southern about it to me. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Dude, who do was country? There were hooting blowfish, the Eagles, all these bands, man, way back when they were, they were country music. And I just believe that. Uh, but I feel like the Hootie I know or Darius has introduced it was a letter crier hold my hand as his first country song he's ever written so which is true I feel like it was a country song all right the next one is let's see let's play green this you're gonna like this one (laughs) so when you hear bartender rehab where's this gonna take you buddy this takes me to my uh my buddy's little house on Brockton Road uh when I was, uh, before I, I, I met my wife, when I was, I guess, you know, early, late teens, early twenties, I was wild as hell, <laughs> ran with a, ran with a rowdy crowd. Um, and you know, when, as I started kind of settling down, I, I lost touch with them a little bit more, but every once in a while, when I would come back home, I'd hit up my buddies and I'd go, go hang out with them and hit a bong or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to my buddy's house and, and, um, we're there. There's a couple of us around and my buddy, Tony goes, man, have you heard rehab? I'm like, no, I haven't heard rehab. And he played that. And I was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) And like, whatever this is, I'm in. You covered that song for a little bit. I heard you play that song a couple of times. And I know the first time I ever heard that song, I think was from you at the new Daisy in Memphis. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I liked the way that, that, in that record, especially the the way that they were able to marry the uh, the 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 rap kind of hip hop yeah. in in with what I thought were really well crafted songs like cool melodies. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, and I still think Danny's uh, just an incredible artist. Yeah. Um, and I yeah I really like that. And in that stage of of my writing, when I went back and was covering that, and I was kind of trying to understand how the pieces fit together and what was going on there. Uh, it really taught me that you can use a rap like a bridge, you know, and, and you can put a lot of information into a rap section. Uh, if you tried to just sing all that, you would end up with a seven minute song and nobody's going to listen to a seven minute song. So the, the idea that you can incorporate a section like that, that just gives the song so much more depth, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought was fascinating. So they, they were a big influence on me. I love that. I love it when you do that song too. Dude. I could see the influences. That's why I wanted to bring these songs out more. Uh, this what? last one is going to be a good one too. Go ahead and play that last one. No, the, way the dance. Garth. Oh. Uh. <laughs> so when that comes on, where where's it going? Where are you going with that? It makes me uh, think of my grandma. Uh, I live with my grandma almost, almost all through high school. Uh, when I was learning how to play and I had this, um, you know, this was, you know, late nineties and I had back then you can just get online and get your guitar tab, <laughs> the tablature yeah. <laughs> bookstore and actually buy a songbook that had the, had the chords over mm-hmm. it. So I had a, a Garth Brooks, uh, like greatest hits book. So I could learn all these Garth Brooks songs. Uh, and I learned the dance and, and it was my grandma's favorite song. God rest her soul. Uh, and she would, whenever I would, you know, she would come home and I'd have my guitar out. She'd be like, Hey, play the dance. And I'd, I'd play that song for her over and over. 
I love that, man. That's a cool story. And that's why we do this, this segment. I like to get stories like that and kind of bring you back a little bit and make you think of something yep. maybe. So we're going to close it out with uh, 10 quick questions. This is called our hot seat. Um, so we're going to kick it off with the first vinyl record you ever purchased. Ooh, probably uh, the Needy Greek Dirt Man. Yeah, the oldest will be unbroken. Okay, that's a good one. That's a really good one. If you had an endless supply of something, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Who has the best pizza you ever had? Well, you're on the road or anywhere, the best pizza that you're like, I got to go back to that place. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, <laughs> what is the name of the place in Chicago? Oh, Luminati's. Luminati's. There you go. All right. So, Friday, Friday, maybe we'll have to bring you some on Friday, maybe. Maybe we'll have to arrange that. <laughs> the strangest thing you've ever seen in the middle of the road? Uh, Mm, armadillo no, like, i hit one those things are rough yeah. <laughs> would you rather celebrate christmas or halloween all year round christmas oh i like that what's one thing people buy you feel is a waste of money mm. boats <laughs> all, right, all right you're opening your dream tour who are the two headlining who, who's headlining your dream tour Hmm. Willie Nelson. Okay, that's a good one. All right. Favorite fast food restaurant. If you're in a pinch, you got to do fast food real quick. Where are you going to go? I'm going to go Hardee's. Ooh, that's a good one. We don't have money up north anymore, but I love some Hardee's. And our last one uh, that we're going to do, you've done, you played the opera, you played the bluebird. You've done some really cool things over your career, man. What's something that's still on your bucket list musically? That you want to, is it the Grammy that we kind of talked about? Is it a platinum? What, what do you want to reach that you kind of still, still like trying for? Red Rocks. Never played yes. Red Rocks. Yes. Yeah. I shared a picture earlier of you uh, at Red Rocks. I think you were just touring or whatever, but there's a picture of you standing there with yeah. the Red Rocks behind you. Dude, if you ever play Red Rocks, we'll be there. We'll be in crowd. We'll be ready to go and we'll be rocking out with you, dude, because that'd be an honor to see that show. But Corey, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. This was an amazing interview to be able to sit down and talk to you and kind of just recap the journey. Been a pleasure. Thank you uh, for all. You obviously put a lot of thought into the questions. Uh, got me thinking a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I like so that. It's been great. Uh, been an honor, and I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate it, man. Well, we'll see you Friday, dude. And definitely, I'll have to I'll email your management, see if there's anything we can work out to bring you some Luminati's. Bring it on. Yeah, I'll look for <laughs> Uh, y'all make sure to hit me up and come hang out side stage there. All right, dude. I'll see you Friday. All right. Take care. See All right, buddy. Guys, honestly, I was literally almost in tears before this episode because we were having so much technical difficulty with Corey, but it, it happened. And, uh, dude, that was phenomenal. Um, just amazing. Being able to sit there and talk to like one of my top fives. <laughs> so, Really cool. I hope you guys all enjoyed that interview. I had a blast. I, I am, if I don't know if you can hear my voice a little bit, I am like on six hours of sleep in three days, maybe if that. Uh, I, I came back from Country Thunder, Iowa. Some cool things came out of that this weekend. I do think I'm going to be part of a lot more Country Thunders here soon, I hope. See what happens with that. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. We cannot wait for Country Thunder Wisconsin coming up and Corey Smith this Friday. It's going to be another busy week this week, guys. We have a co podcast tonight. We cannot wait for it. And actually, the fun, funny story is the guy tonight that we're interviewing, his very first tour he ever was on was opening for Corey Smith. So it kind of worked out perfect to have these two guys today. So we cannot wait. And hopefully Jillian will be able to 
join in on seven o'clock tonight so she'll be off work and i want to do a solo show but uh i do appreciate you guys tuning in with us and hanging out today um see you tonight we'll talk to you then the gain and fast on memphis podcast with aaron shriver is brought to you by arlo revolution as we close the book on another chapter remember music gives a soul to the universe wings to the mind flight to the imagination and life to everything Next week, Aaron connects more melodies and memories with other fans and the artists they love. Thanks for being a part of this musical journey, and we'll see you next time on the Gain and Fast on Memphis podcast with Aaron Shriver.